0: DJ P.K. and Ryan Abraham joining us, USCfootball.com. Ryan, welcome
1: back to the show. Thanks for having me on. Get to talk a little football during this crazy quarantine stuff.
0: Well, you know, the last few times you've been on, we've been talking about all the things that are wrong with USC football. But now we're here to talk about what's right. The high school kids are flocking to USC. How much of this is uh, staff changes? How much of it is one key staff member? How much of this is something else? Why is everything trending so well for the Trojans?
1: Yeah, it's so weird. They had their worst recruiting class in Internet history uh, last year, the class of 2020, and now they're in the top ten. They were a top five at one point, and they've had seven commitments over the past like six weeks. So it's been a very different road going forward and obviously it's a a weird time because you can't have visits it's an extended dead period from the NCAA but to me it's really about the effort that's been put in by the new coaching staff and bringing in an entirely new defensive staff you have the you know Pac-12 current Pac-12 recruiter of the year and Dante Williams that came down from Oregon Craig Niver has been a relentless recruiter coming over from Texas so I feel like It's really been they've hired a bunch of coaches that know recruiting is the lifeblood of college football, and they've just hit the ground running. I think they've sold that tradition of USC, and uh, it's been working well. I mean, they get a kid, Brandon Campbell from Tennessee, committed a four-star running back that's – I'm sorry, from Texas, not from Tennessee, who's committed. He's never even been to campus. So we'll see if they will keep it going. And, you know, obviously if you have a season, they want to have some positive momentum on the field. But just having a good staff in place that is putting an effort – you're so showing the results right now.
2: So this Dante Williams is an interesting character uh, for me. Went to Idaho State, which is up the street from us. Got his start in coaching at Harbor College. And I covered Harbor College for the Daily Breeze back in the 90s. And my whole goal on Saturday night, sitting in their press box, was to not fall asleep because Harbor <laughs> College sucked. I don't know if they still do, but the Seahawks played. They were a good baseball school under Jim O'Brien. Actually played ball at BYU, uh, but it was known in the South Bay that Camino was the good football school and Harbor was the good baseball school. And Harbor College sucked. Then he goes to Camino the next year. Then he goes to Mount SAC. Then Nevada. These are like consecutive years. Becomes a grad assistant at Washington, and then boom, San Jose, San Jose, Arizona, Nebraska, Oregon. And then he moves. So he's like a one-year deal. And I read a thing in the Times, and DJ saw it too, where he's talking about he's going to take back what's rightfully SC's. Uh, what did SC do to be able to get him away from Oregon? Because Oregon had to be a pretty good situation.
1: It was a pretty good situation. I think there was a combination of things. And he, you know, he built, you talked about those stops in Southern California. You build those relationships with the JCs and the high schools. And I think that's something that Dante Williams has been able to do. He obviously relates to the players very well. And he's worked, you know, he's he's just been a relentless recruiter. I think it worked well in Nebraska when he was there. And it was a great situation in Oregon. He did have a family member in Southern California that there were some illnesses there. So there was. Uh, you know, there was an underlying reason that he would want to go, but I feel like the new athletic department, Mike Bone, Brandon Saad, have come in and really been, you know, taking this kind of professional attitude to negotiating and trying to convince people to come to USC. They didn't break the bank to bring him in. Uh, he was getting paid really well up in uh, uh, up in Oregon, but I think they showed him, hey, here's the things you could do when you're at USC. You know, giving him you know, giving him more money, but not necessarily, you know, breaking the bank, like I said, and putting him in a situation where he could have a multi-year deal, come back to Southern California with his family, and really go out there and recruit. So I, I think the approach that this new, you know, now having a professional athletic department instead of just former football players that don't know what they're doing, I think that was a big part of it. So they were able to convince him to come down, and it's a big reason why they're having this recruiting success right now.
0: So we always thought the Clay had some support on campus, right? They had the president in his corner, but the boosters just couldn't stand him. Uh, but fans, boosters are fans. And they're just fans with more money. And they can be pretty fickle. Is everybody on board now, or he's got to go out and win the conference before everybody's on board?
1: Yeah, he's, everyone's not on board. There's, there's people that are. It's, they've won some people over, and I think building some of that momentum. Now, it hurt them not to be able to have spring football because fans a lot of the boosters – wanted to see more physical practices. They wanted to see the defensive coaches recruit more because they were kind of part-time recruiters for the most part. They're doing that. But they didn't get to see what they wanted to see, which was spring football, tackling, more hitting, and and not the kind of soft approach that really this team has kind of had the last couple of years. So I think that's hurt Clay Hilton a little bit, that they didn't get to showcase what the new schemes were going to be and what the new attitude on the practice field was going to be. But he has won some of the people – back over. But, you know, people still remember getting crushed by Oregon. People remember the last game where you got crushed by Iowa, even though Keaton Slovis got hurt and missed half that game. But I feel like he's going to have to win a bunch of games to even attempt to win some of the people over. There's, there's some fans, guys, that just want Clay home gone. It doesn't matter. And I, I think they're looking for what the bar needs to be. They don't want to see a team go 9-3 and three and lose to like Notre Dame, Alabama, and Oregon and bring Clay Helton back. They want this team to be able to compete with those you know, top-caliber programs. So it's, it's. I'm curious to see what the bar really will be if they're going to you know, give Clay Helton another year, especially with this coronavirus stuff going on. But he hasn't won over the majority of the fans yet. He's won over some, but I think winning on the field is the only thing that's going to win over some of those other fans. And it, it might take a couple of years of that to win over the diehards that just don't want him to be the head coach.
2: So what's going on with JT Daniels?
1: So I, with the new, uh, the latest that we've heard from the NCAA and the uh, the, the exemption that you could allow one time exemption and transfer without penalty, we thought that would go into play this year. And I think that's the main reason that JT Daniels entered the the transfer portal, so we could kind of look at his different options if he was able to transfer this year and be able to play right away, where he'd have three years to play instead of two. Now that it looks like that's going to be delayed until 2021. I feel like he's likely going to come back. I don't think he wants to transfer out and sit out a year. He could stay back at USC for one year and then graduate early and then move on and, and have two years to play somewhere else. So uh, I think that's the ideal situation. It's similar to what Max Brown did when he transferred out of USC. But without the ability to transfer and be eligible right away, I just it's hard for me to picture him leaving right now. There's probably going to be opportunities this year depending on – you know, when the season starts, if it starts at all, because, you know, we've, we've seen Keaton Slovis get hurt. We've seen all the quarterbacks at USC get hurt. So just being the backup at USC, he'd probably get, you know, some opportunities to play and at least show people he's recovered from the knee surgery and then have a better landing spot for those two years and transfer after this year. So my guess would be guys that it's going to be, he's going to come back and stick around similar to Matt Fink went in the transfer portal last year and then came back my gut says that that's probably going to happen with JT as well.
0: So the governor Gavin Newsom was not bullish on the NFL playing in the fall in the state of California. What are the odds? What do people there feel about college football in the fall?
1: It's so all over the place, and because of at least with the NFL, you have Roger Goodell who's the, the czar. You know, there's, he's he's, he's going to make the call, and I think they're going to keep going forward. And um, he could put pressure on governors like Gavin Newsom to. Um, to have football. And, you know, we're starting to see California open up a little bit. And we, we got a lot of time. So I, it's, I think there's still optimism for that. With college football, it's so weird because there's no one that runs it. There's nobody running college football. And we're hearing different things from all the different commissioners where Larry Scott's saying it's like all for one, one for all. Everyone, You know, we're all going to play or none of us going to play. And you have other commissioners like in the ACC and the SEC saying, like, you know, in the ACC you have – Clemson's going to play. I mean, things are opened up in in that state and in that community where for Boston college, are they going to want to open up or no. And even that like in the, in the group of five, the the American athletic Conference, you got Tulane and uh, in New Orleans, that's going to be a lot different than some of the other states. So I think it's, it's going to be regionalized and there's going to be pressure on some of the commissioners to do things that maybe they don't want to do. So I, it's just hard to say at this point, but I, I feel like I'm optimistic they're going to have to have a season because it would be devastating to college athletics. But will it be on time? Will it be delayed a couple of weeks? Will it be delayed in the spring? I don't think we need to know that for you know another like month and a half or so, but it will start to be getting to crunch time when you're getting to June Uh, And, and, you know, when you need six weeks lead time to get into the season, you got to start making these decisions. And and it's when the students could get back on campus, too. So I just don't think we know at this point, but it's going to be so convoluted in college just because we don't have that singular leader like you have in the NFL.
2: You mentioned that running back from Texas. I'm interested as far as how they're recruiting and able to get running backs because with Harrell in there, obviously they're throwing the ball. Slovis looks so good. Pittman goes to the NFL. But I can argue that uh, you know maybe he was the best guy last year, but he doesn't have the best pro potential. So the point being they've got several receivers coming down the line there. They're going to be good in the next couple of years. What are they going to do? Because SC has been known for all sorts of great running backs. I'm wondering how the offense is going to incorporate those running backs, knowing that the air raid type of the philosophy is there.
1: Yeah, I think you get a guy like Brandon Campbell out of Katy, Texas. Part of it, they didn't get any running backs uh, in this previous class. I mean, it was a really you know, there was no quarterbacks, there was no running backs. They really needed to go out and kind of prioritize uh, those positions. But the, when we talked to Graham Harrell, just you know, from last spring, a year ago. The plan was to run the football more. And I think you started to see that early in the season, but there was a bunch of weird occurrences that happened. First losing your starting quarterback, game one. Uh, Then you were running the ball a little bit more then. But then you get all three of your running backs hurt at one point. Your top three running backs hurt, and you're playing a freshman that you thought you were going to redshirt. So I think there were some weird circumstances. I'm curious to see if they stay somewhat healthy is it going to be a 45% run, kind of like what they wanted to do, where it was there's more leaning towards the pass, especially by the end of the year. You had four games by Keaton Slovitz where he threw for 400 yards. So I think they're selling a guy like Brandon Campbell on, first of all, there's not a lot of depth right there. You're going to come in and, and play pretty much right away um, just because there's not a lot of bodies there, but also that they do want to run the ball more in this offense. They just didn't have as many opportunity so I'm curious to see I mean we it would have been good to see the spring how that you went from year one to year two all we've heard is that once you guys know the system better year two was going to be a, a big springboard forward it already was I mean they took a an offense that had talent that just didn't have a direction. And was you know ranked in the middle of the country to a you know top five kind of passing offense or top ten offense, and that was just in one year with a young you know offensive coordinator and Graham Harrell. So I think they had some optimism what they were going to do in uh, in year two of that system. We'll have to wait and see, but I think running the football was part of what they wanted to do in that plan.
0: Is UCLA making any progress, or do USC fans look at UCLA laugh and go back to their own issues? <laughs>
1: I mean, I think it's a big year. I, mean, I talked to uh, a buddy that covers UCLA yesterday and he just wasn't very optimistic uh, on the team. Now, I, th- I think they've made some changes, but it's just it's just tough. It's just curious to see what Chip Kelly's doing there. Um, you just don't know. You you wanted to see some of those elements of the blur that they were running at Oregon, stuff that worked. And it seemed like he was kind of hellbent on just making changes and doing things a different way. And uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be working. They're not recruiting the way UCLA could recruit. The whole point of bringing someone like Chip Kelly into a place like UCLA is, what do you do with the better players that you can get in Southern California and get them easier? Well, they're not really getting those players, so it's, it's sort of weird that the way they're doing it. It's more of kind of a system thing we see them be up and and win some games that maybe they should win and, and just be down in other games and just not look good. Uh, They haven't won an out of conference game yet under Chip Kelly, like not a single one. So uh, there's, 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 uh, there's upside for UCLA. And I think this could be a good year where if they make some progress and get to a seven and five or eight win season, that would be big, but that's a pretty big jump from where they are right now. It's just hard to picture them uh, doing that. But you know, Bruin fans. I don't know. I mean, there's, the reason you hired Chip Kelly is just—he was the big guy. Everyone wanted Chip Kelly. It just doesn't seem to be working out right now. So I think I think this year is a big one where they need to make some forward progress. Otherwise, you just have to think maybe you need to go in a different direction.
2: So everybody knows, Ryan, that your area there is a hotbed for recruiting, and everybody wants to be in there. You've got to get the players, particularly, obviously, the two locals, but in the conference and the surrounding states. I'm wondering if you were to list the. Top five schools who are having the most success in terms of recruiting Southern California kids, who will those schools be?
1: I mean it's a good question see the the thing is there's a lot of depth in southern California, and it depends if you're getting if you're trying to get the elite players, which I think more of the out of state you know the the out of the region programs have been doing a really good job we've seen. Alabama come in and get and get players from Southern California. We've seen Clemson come in and, and grab some guys. Ohio State, uh, Texas, I think they've done a good job of cherry picking, but the teams, I think the, the, the PAC12 programs probably do the best of recruiting Southern California for depth. and you know you're seeing like an Arizona state really doing well in programs like that. Of course, you know the local schools, if you're USC or UCLA, you're getting a lot of players uh, from Southern California. We've seen Oregon has to be up there. Uh, you know, coming in and bringing players, Washington. I I think in general it's been more of a Pac-12 thing where you're getting a lot of the really good players there, but the problem has been the cherry-picking of of the really elite players going out of state, going out of the region more than we've seen before. And I think some of that has to do with the fall of USC recruiting where – they sort of made it cool for Southern California players to stay at least in the region. If they didn't go to USC, maybe they go to Utah, Oregon or Arizona state, wherever. Uh, Once USC wasn't recruiting at that high level, I think it opened up the floodgates for the national powers to come in and start taking those players. So I, I think it, it could be shifting a little bit. We'll see if that, if that happens, but it's still the depth. I mean, I think the depth of the conference, you're seeing the, the top programs how they're doing, they're recruiting Southern California. Well, uh, but just trying to get some of those elite players, you want to make sure they're not going to, to Alabama, Ohio State. You want them to stay in the Pac 12 if you can.
2: Yeah, certainly you want them, if they don't go to those elite schools, you want them to go to Arizona State, don't you, Ryan? And i say that because I'm an ASU grad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> ASU, I mean, for I was as critical of Herm Edwards as anybody. Uh, but, you know, and okay, what, they're 7 5, 7 5, but, you know, they're. I think they've done a lot better job and to see a guy like Jane Daniels, who's the highest, I think the highest ranked recruit uh, ASU had gotten and, and then bringing in a bunch of the uh, wide receivers from Southern California last year uh, to, to kind of, you know, make that a really exciting offense. I think Herb Edwards has done a great job and he's hired Southern California recruiters. He's got people from the high school ranks. He's got former NFL guys. I think it's just a pretty good mix. And it was, it's unique, you know, it's, they're doing it a different way. And, at a place like Arizona State, you always talk about them as like this kind of sleeping giant, the potential to bring in a lot of talent. Obviously, Tempe's a amazing place to recruit to. So, yeah, I think they have one of the, the programs that have done really well, uh, you know, recruiting Southern California. And you have to. And I, I think they've taken it more advantage of USC being down in recruiting than like a UCLA has. And they're right in the same city.
0: Well, Ryan, you've done it. You've triggered Ute fans. I got them, I've got them uh, tweeting. They're tweeting graphics at me right now, thanks to you. Uh-oh. NFL draft <laughs> picks over the NFL draft picks over the last four years, and there's this bar graph. The Utes with 21, Washington with 20, USC with 15, UCLA with 14, all the way down to Arizona with two. PK, the U of A at the bottom of the list.
1: Good. they I mean, I got USC fans were mad at me on my podcast because I was saying. Utah's done a much better job of preparing players, of developing players, than USC. They haven't had the same recruiting rankings, but they are able to get these guys ready for the NFL. And that's, uh, I mean, I think that's a fact. So, you know, having way more guys at the Combine, you know, more guys drafted from Utah this year than USC's had the past two years, I get it. I mean, that's that's a real thing. And I think we're seeing a, an up—you know—an uptick in recruiting as well, being able to, to win the South and things like that. So, yeah, I, no, I get it. That's not a I'm not saying that they're not – they're doing a really good job. Kyle Whittingham does a really good job at that.
0: Ryan, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us once again. It's always good to have you on the show, and we'll talk to you again down the road. It's great talking football. Thanks for having me on.